Hi, and welcome to the Fab Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Fab Channer, and this is a space where we will be keeping it real, fresh, and so fabulous. I'm so glad that you're here, so let's dive in. Today, I'm bringing you another episode in a new series that I'm calling Unlearn to Learn. The series is created to share more and speak to my Black friends, family, community members, influencers, business leaders, artists, etc. So they too can share their stories and education on the Black experience. I want to continue to share the realities of Black people living in our society, a society that is plagued with white supremacy and systems that keep that in place. I'm holding space for us to have an open and honest dialogue that will hopefully inspire people to think differently and be part of the change towards actual equality. I'm very happy, super happy to welcome back my dear friend Joy Laps Lewis who was on a previous episode and she has graciously agreed to come back to share more because um, we got so much to talk about. So thank you. Welcome, Joy. Hi, Christine. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming back. So in case people didn't hear um, the first episode, do you want to share a little bit more about yourself? For sure. My name is Joy Laps Lewis. I am a Canadian musician, composer, academic and arts educator. I am born in Canada, but my parents are both from Antigua and Barbuda, and I identify as a a Black woman, an Afro-Caribbean Canadian woman. I'm married to the the love of my life, Larnell. We have two beautiful children, Kari and Kaya, and uh, Kari's two years old, and Kaya's eight months old, and I know Christine from elementary school southwood park Mm -hmm. high school ajax (laughs) high school (laughs) and i am really excited that you're doing this work and um holding space to have these conversations so thank you for having me thank you joy joy as she said i've known her like almost my whole life she is one of my sister's very best friends and joys and her family are family to us so lots of love for the joy laps lewis the caris the kayas the larnells everyone everyone so let's just get right back in there was for some of the listeners they might be familiar with this there was a post that you recently shared on your social media and honestly it went viral um that spoke to racial biases in the healthcare system and what you have observed with language used towards your son kari so can you share more about this and and the observations that you made and just more about that post Yes. So I, you know, this, there's been, as we all know, this recent emergence of um, just addressing racism based on the death that we saw of George Floyd and, um, and others. And I sat back for a moment and, and wanted to kind of think and be thoughtful about what I could add to the conversation, what audience I have that my husband Larnell has and um, and how we could just add something because there's a lot being said. Mm. And so I decided that I wanted to speak from the perspective of being a mom. And um, for, for those of you who don't know, Larnell and I have, um, like I said, we have two children. Our first son, Kari, was born um, 
with, he has an underlying condition of Down syndrome, trisomy 21. He spent his first six months of life in hospital um, at an acute care hospital and then went on to a rehabilitation hospital and spent another two months. So he didn't come home until he was eight months old. And he has a trach. So he has an artificial airway. He has, um, he was born with cardiac issues. He's G-tube fed. And so for those of you that don't know, like a trach is like, basically you're bypassing your whole upper airway and you kind of breathe through your throat. Not, you know, it's a tracheostomy. Not everyone's familiar. So I just want to make Mm -hmm. that clear. So when I throw out those terms, of course, G-tube fed. So that means that, um, because of his airway issues, because of he spent so many times being intubated and extubated and on, on all these drugs that he, um, he, we ended up having to give him this tube that allows us to feed him through his stomach. So he can eat orally, but he also has to be fed, fed through his stomach. Uh-huh. And so, um, we were, like I said, the first six months we were at sick kids, which is a great hospital. Um, and then Holland Bloorview, um, and another, another great hospital. And so, and now that we're home, because Kari has an artificial airway, he has to have 27, 24-7 eyes on care. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I'm, and people are like, but I have to watch my kid all day, all the time. No, no, no. We have to, <laughs> like, at night, a nurse comes into the home, and she has to sit there and watch him sleep. Because when you are a child with an artificial airway, you can't make sound if you're in distress. Mm-hmm. So, you have to watch at all times because the trait can come out. Okay. Um, the stomach can collapse. So just so that you guys have a sense of like the, I want your, the audience to have a sense of like what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've met a lot of healthcare professionals. I am not a healthcare professional, but mm-hmm. in a way you kind of become one. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't experience like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so my, the post in particular it was addressing a nurse who came into the home. Um, she was new and we, and I, and I want to just preface this before and saying like, we've had a lot of amazing nurse, nurses, a lot of amazing healthcare providers. And, um, but in, in this case, and we had a great nurse and she just had a medical issue, had to go on medical leave. And so we've been trying to fill her spot <laughs> desperately. Mm. <laughs> and so, so anyway, so this nurse is here and she I, it just so happens that she was trying to, it was near the end of her shift. She was, she just said Kari and she was trying to suction him. And so again, um, she's trying to suction him and he was batting her hand away. And she was just like saying that like, he's, he's being, um, he's guilty. Um, I'm going to call the police on him. I'm going to call, you know, saying to him, I'm going to call the police on you and telling me I'm going to call the police on him. Another issue had happened mm-hmm. and I had spoken to her about it. And as she was leaving, she said, okay, so do you want me to come back? And I said, you know, that's not really a, a, a big issue, but I want to address why you thought you need to use that language with my son. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I was just joking. I was <laughs> like, yeah, but it's not appropriate. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just left that there. I was like, I'm not taking this up with you. I'm taking this up with your supervisor. Yeah. And so I, I wrote a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, Larnell and I, in this, in this life of being a, you know, having a complex care child, you kind of have mm-hmm. to divide and conquer. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of the letter writing. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I got my sister Sabira to edit the letter. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and we sent off the letter. And that's, that's what you see in that post. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that letter was, I think it was eye-opening for a lot of people because the language we use, because this is, we think about anti-Black racism and racial biases, it's so indoctrinated that people, again, of course, like, it doesn't surprise me that she would say, I was just joking. Because some people don't, like, I don't think every people have the intention, but they're not being mindful, right? That's where the issue is. And that's that language is extremely damaging and can just add to how a Black child that will then become a Black adolescent, Black adult, so on and so forth, how they view themselves. You know, it, it contributes a lot to identity, right? So in reading that letter, I was just like, it's that feeling of fatigue, not to be dis- not to dismiss it, but it's just like, we're still here, right? It's it's so, and I'm so sorry that that was the experience for you guys. Um, because again, it's, you guys are working so hard as parents, as, you know, in your careers. And it's just one more thing that not often, you know, people that are, you know, non-Black people don't often have to think about, right? To have these conversations. Yeah. It's, it's so like, and the thing that I often tell healthcare professionals when I have to start writing a letter or, you know, doing like going, going through, like maybe having to file some sort of complaint. It's just like, guys, Mm. like, I don't have time for this. Mm. Why can't we just get this right? I don't have time. Like I already have a medically complex child, Mm -hmm. another baby, like I don't have time. Mm. And, but you have to make the time. Mm-hmm. We Absolutely. have to make the time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, and it's it's interesting because I feel like there's so many levels to it. So Kari started nursery school back in September, mm-hmm. and we noticed that he was starting to to hit. Mm. And so I, I go to the nursery school teacher. You know, we have these like you're in nursery school and you have like a goals meeting. Like, what are your goals? <laughs> and so then I go in there, like he needs to stop hitting. He needs to learn how to communicate. And it's like, I had this long list and mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because I was like, I was almost, there was like this level of anxiety mm-hmm. that I, and I had written down my list. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the meeting, I felt like his nursery school teacher was like, oh, what is wrong with this woman? Like, mm. doesn't she know that this child is not even two yet? It's but just- <laughs> <laughs> I had a list. Like, Good. he needs to be potty trained. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a whole list, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, like, and so, and so I got there and then I said to myself, after I came out of the meeting, I was like, Joy, maybe you're just, act, like, maybe you're, maybe you're just, you're just doing too much, Joy. Just mm-hmm. calm down. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I think because Kari has, um, you know, there's there's a developmental delay that comes with his diagnosis. Sometimes I wonder, like, am I? Is it a part of me that's not coming to terms with the implications of his diagnosis? Mm. But I realize that I wasn't. Let's I think we're all going to try to be like, I, I was anxious and I, I deserve to be anxious. But mm-hmm. I'm going to say at this moment, <laughs> I really think that fast forward to dealing with this nurse, mm. I think deep down inside, I knew why he can't just be hitting. 
mm-hmm. like any other child. And mm-hmm. the, the nursery school teacher, she said, you know, we just have to redirect. If he hits, take his hand. If he's throwing things, you know, give him something he can throw, that he, like mm-hmm. a ball, and just like redirect, which are all amazing strategies. Mm-hmm. But fast forward to this interaction with this nurse, it's mm-hmm. like, no, Kari can't just hit her like a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it's funny enough that when someone goes to suction you, they're literally taking a catheter and they're trying to take out the secretion. So when you have a, when you have a foreign object in your body, your body reacts uh-huh. and in your airway, we produce secretions. So uh-huh. anybody who knows, if you've ever seen someone with a trike, you'll see that they're being suctioned and that's why they're being suctioned because they're producing secretions because something's there that's not supposed to be there. Uh-huh. And funny enough, Kari has, is such a small child that he has almost like one of the smallest size trachs. And uh-huh. so the, the catheter that they had originally told us to use is really small mm-hmm. and the secretions can be so thick especially in the morning think about mm-hmm. you or i we wake up in the morning and we like yeah. pop up phlegm it's like it would get stuck so we went mm-hmm. a size up so that it would be more effective mm-hmm. and funny enough when you put that suction catheter in mm-hmm. yeah there's almost no room around it mm-hmm. where it, there would be if we had stuck to the smaller size and so mm-hmm. you know it's ironic but it's like he actually can't breathe so when you do that right and so he's hitting he's saying to her i don't like how that feels and he can't say that because he has a trach and and then he she respond and that's her response to him yeah and 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 the thing is is like this woman was um i knew she was from iran Mm -hmm. um i knew that english was her second language but Mm -hmm. tell me why even if English is not your first language. And trust me, you're smart enough to become certified here. So you get, mm-hmm. you can speak, you can speak the language. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I acknowledge that it's difficult sometimes to translate things. But mm-hmm. tell me why the immediate words that you would translate are, I'm going to call the police. Yeah. Of you everything. are guilty of yeah. all, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you mm-hmm. could have said he's being bad or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I wouldn't even agree with that. Mm-hmm. but of all imagine that that in your like subconsciously that's the first thing you drew a connection to like and you and i are both like bilingual so we mm-hmm. know what it means to like of course I, you know what i mean to think in french or to think in english uh-huh and how is that your default mm-hmm. how and is that your thinking absolutely and that's the question that i think a lot of people should ask because it's to your point it's subconscious it's so habitual it's subconscious and when you see a little black baby, a little black boy or a little black girl, that is what you say. And I think that's something that people really, really should ponder and reflect on. And why, and for those that might be saying, well, again, it's just a joke or it's just a term. No, it's not. Why, why is that acceptable? Why is that acceptable language? So we're going to take a little break and so people can think about that and we'll be right back. And we're back from the break. Um, before the break, there is a very, you know, just a question that we wanted the audience to think about. And again, that was around why is it acceptable with the language that we use specifically with young black children? So 
my next question for you, Joy, is what are you continuing or potentially continuing to experience as your role as a Black mother? And what are some of your other concerns? I continue to experience what I feel to be is a lot of unnecessary extra work. Mm. I feel that it's not just, you know, it's not just in healthcare. This approach to dealing with black children has been addressed or we've seen this in education and, you know, within preschool and kindergarten, um, Dr. Carl, Carl James, who uh, has been a leading research and race-based research in the education system in Toronto and GTA, um, has done a lot of work. You know, like, it's like, you know, why do people like him have to produce documents for parents, yeah. for Black parents to tell them this is yeah. how you need to navigate the system? Like, yeah. you know, it's 2020. Like, why are we mm. still having these conversations? So I find it to be often a lot of extra work. Yeah. And... It's, I think, in the context of, you know, like bring it, bring it back to dealing with the healthcare system. Like we're already dealing with an underfunded healthcare system. Mm. We're already dealing with um, the stress and anxiety of trying to, you know, just manage all of the different aspects of having a medically complex child. Like I, I actually feel like I'm running another business. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like Car Car has like eight specialists. Mm -hmm. He has um, you know, three or four therapists. And then, you know, he has three different companies. You mm -hmm. know, two different companies that supply his like enteral respiratory and then other government agencies that you have to be on top of. And then you have to be on top of them because they're underfunded and mm -hmm. um you you know, you have to you know, it's like you're you're checking everybody's work. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's what everybody's dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, and, th and then even just like with the nursing piece, you know, some of the stuff that happens in home care nursing, it's such a gong show that mm -hmm. we actually manage his own funding. So like I manage, like, it's like a $110,000 budget. Of, like, mm, my God. You know what I mean? And yeah. I have to apply to have autonomy over that. And we don't, we obviously don't keep any of it, but it's like, we can mm -hmm. actually choose who gets it. So mm -hmm. now, so it's like, if you flip this back, so like I actually have the power to address the agency mm. and say, listen, um, are you going to fix this? Yeah. Because I can take these, you know, 50 some odd dollars an hour and spend them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just, it's like, it's so much work. Yeah. I'm just trying, and the thing I always say, like, I just want to be my child's mother. Yeah. I, wanna, I, I don't want to sit down and, or every night that I go to bed with my husband, I don't want to be harping about this stuff. Like, I want to talk mm -hmm. about us. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of stuff that I just, I just think it's, it, this is the stuff that I, like I said in the post, it's like, we're not exhausted because mm -hmm. we're not just exhausted because you killed George Floyd in cold blood last week, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. We're exhausted because we have to deal with this every day on top mm -hmm. of everyday life. Yep. You know, and, and so that's the challenge. I think that I, I acknowledge that I have a level of privilege in that I have an undergraduate degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a degree in international business. I have a mm -hmm. master's of arts and, you know, like, and then I, you know, with my sister, she's like, she mm -hmm. has an undergraduate degree. She has a master's degree. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And there you go. Four degrees to help craft <laughs> the email <laughs> with the study. Right? Yeah. yeah. So with references. That, 
right so that you don't like don't come for me but the problem with that is that even in doing so like even in posting it a lot of people were like oh this is so articulate and well said and i and i appreciate that because it is articulate Mm -hmm. and thoughtful because mm-hmm. we have to do the work of let me write this, let me make sure that it's like it's pure fact. I can't make it sound because this is the thing with a microaggression. You can just always sound like you're angry and looking for yeah. things, Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. But it's like I have to make this. I have to sound like I'm not just going crazy, and I'm not mm-hmm. the quote unquote angry black woman. That there's some sort of that there's a study to back up what I'm oh, saying. Absolutely. You know I mean? Oh my god. Like, yeah. And so I think that. While I appreciate that, I think it's important to recognize that I that's privilege, right? That's four degrees, mm-hmm. and this is not even co- co- this is not even counting Larnell's Larnell's edit. Like, I was about to say, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and 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 every time that I deal with the healthcare system, like you know, race aside, mm-hmm. every time I often feel like I need you guys to recognize that this is like you're like don't come for my son (laughs) but absolutely but it's also not about kari it's about every child who doesn't Mm -hmm. have an advocate with Mm -hmm. my privilege Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. have a role to play because i I have to speak up because what about the mom that has four children that's a single mom or a single Mm -hmm. parent or you know what i mean or Mm -hmm. a single father or what have you what Mm -hmm. about the person who um doesn't speak English. What about the person, like even in my first eight, like when I was in the hospital with Kari, we actually didn't have another child. So, mm-hmm. and I was on maternity leave. I was on my family caregiver benefits. So I could devote time to this. Mm-hmm. But what about the person who has to run back home to pick up that other child in daycare mm-hmm. or the person dealing with their elderly parents, but they're sandwiched and they have mm-hmm. their, a family of their own. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to recognize that privilege because when we see other forms of um other other ways that people are communicating their Mm -hmm. frustration and their anger Mm -hmm. we a lot of us um and and white people all types of people we Mm -hmm. want to then come back and say um well you know like why are you rioting why are you looting? <laughs> Why are you protesting? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think like you need to understand that my communication is from my five years mm-hmm. in advanced and enriched English. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. It's Miss Ashukian all over me. <laughs> <laughs> right? To yes. like to like write it properly. You know? Yes, it's absolutely. many years of post secondary education that I had the privilege to have and therefore I can I can be your likable black person that you're mm. going to engage with and 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 not write me off. Oh joy. Joy, right? yes. <laughs> it, like, honestly. I I I like to tell people, listen, I I consider myself to be a kind person. I think I'm a kind person. You I, are and a I, kind and I, person. And I put you I put and I, I think about yourself and your sister, like Colleen, my mm-hmm. sisters. I'm like, let me tell you something. <laughs> Don't put me in that group of your black friend that you have. Like, mm-hmm. I'm an easy black friend to have. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Oh my like, god! Like, mm. I am a god fearing woman. Yes. And I'm an educated woman. Yes. Black. So, like, it's it's easy. It's easy to you know what I mean. It's easy to think that like, oh yeah, like I like to cheat. Joy was my student. I'm not racist against black people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. It's, my mother it's the was a, token. You know what I mean? Because my mother knew what I needed to come to class with. And my father knew how we needed to come to, to class with because mm-hmm. in order to gain that level of respect. Mm-hmm. But how do you respect the poor person? How exactly. do you respect the person with the accent? Mm-hmm. How do you respect the person whose mom or dad don't have the education that you believe is, you know, like the mm-hmm. standard? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you respect the person who is mentally unstable? And mm-hmm. let me tell you something, dealing with the things that we dealt with, mm-hmm. Christine, I, we went to, th- we went to sick the other day in one of the, um, the PSWs, bless mm-hmm. her heart. Mm-hmm. She stopped me and she, I, sh- I stopped, I saw her and I pulled Kari out of, <laughs> of the, um, the, uh, my gosh, the carriage or mm-hmm. I'm losing my words here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let him walk her to mm-hmm. see and mm-hmm. she said Kari you know how much times you almost died you know how much times you made your mother oh. cry because of how traumatic she knew it was so like mm-hmm. so now let's add the piece of like I'm if we're in the healthcare system mm-hmm. it's not because you're okay it's not mm-hmm. because like somebody is not okay of and course. so now you add like what about the person who's dealing with um, anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. um, thoughts of suicide and mm-hmm. because what they're dealing with in that moment, whoever, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That it's, it's, there's like this level of instability. Yeah. And how are you going to respond to them? And now you add that layer of, and they're a minority that, yep. you, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, um, you know, that's always there. And so I, I, I will say that I've, I've met a lot of really, really great healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like, but I've also met, I've also been in contact with one, with this one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, and when I, it's, it's again, it's like, I, I was talking about on my post. It's like, we deal with it every day, even in my own house. So even if yeah. like, I go out, I go out, I do my thing. <laughs> let me come home and just not have to deal with any racism or any oppression, but it's just like, kidding. I can't even get away from it. Mm-hmm. House. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing, like you've hit on so many Again, incredible points that I really hope people pause, reflect, and think about it beyond this episode. Because, you know, you said earlier, you know, with you and Larnell every night, this is not something that, you know, contrary to the stereotype of the angry black woman, this is not something that we enjoy having to, as you said, harp about every night. You just want to be a mother. And for the mothers and the fathers out there, like, think about that for that moment, because there's things that you have pointed out that they because of white privilege and again i always have finding myself explaining what privilege is because i'm hearing a lot of people saying well i'm not privileged i've worked for everything that's not what we're talking about but again mm-hmm. through your privilege you have you don't have to think about this you you can be a parent right and you know being a, a palatable black person so again when you draw the comparison like with us you know we've had the opportunities to go to post-secondary and you know our our parents you know it's it's kind of like a part of code switching like our parents taught us you know the converse the hard conversations that black parents have to have with their black children Mm -hmm. you know this is how the world views you so this is you need to be on your p's and q's you need to be twice as good to get half as much and so on and so forth but to your point so for our white friends colleagues healthcare whatever that looks like yeah, you know, because you can take me in bite-sized pieces because I'm speaking the way you want me to speak. Mm-hmm. But what about those that, again, like you said, that don't you have you have this conversation and made this point in your previous episode? 
those that don't have access to post-secondary, those that have an accent, maybe new, new work to Canada or not. Listen, I know plenty of people in my circle that have been here for years and they still have a very thick accent. And mm -hmm. I, rather than that being celebrated, it's, it's weaponized against people, mm -hmm. you know, people, and you, again, you're saying, why are people rioting? Because people are looking at it from their lens. Well, I wouldn't riot. If that was me, wouldn't, don't they understand that you will get, you're looking at it from, you know, those people making those comments, they're looking at it from their perspective. At no point are they putting themselves in your shoes in other people's shoes. It's just like being on that privileged tower and pedestal and making the judgment calls from an experience they have never lived. They've never lived this experience. So how, it, how easy is, is it to, you know, pass judgment? And mm -hmm. meanwhile, using the same language, as we said in the, earlier in the episode, like, you're going to jail. You're a criminal. Like, language that we're using towards Black children that, again, is going to contribute to how they identify themselves in society. So, again, I just wanted to kind of... There's so many things I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I, but I wanted to, like... <laughs> like comment on those ones be like of the many because again you're bringing up points that people probably are hearing for the first time and mm -hmm. i want people to think about it. i don't want them to just be like okay i listened to the episode like think about what you're saying like think about mm -hmm. what joy is saying here right so what happens now like what needs to be done to continue with the process of unlearning. And when it comes to, again, the language that is being used with young black children and how black children are being treated, healthcare system and beyond, what, in your opinion, what happens now? What needs to be done? I feel strongly that it's, it's similar to what needs to happen everywhere in that mm -hmm. it's, it's an acknowledgement Mm -hmm. And it's really important that those of us um, who have access, who have platforms, who have influence, um, big or small, that we continue to raise our voices and mm -hmm. um, and shed light on these things and to continue to hold, hold people accountable. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, a lot of people have said it's really important that, um, that allies are, are, are on board yeah. and that are, because I think that like, um, and that's, I think that's the thing that I think is so powerful about what's happening right now is yeah. that, um, it's people outside of the black community mm -hmm. that are becoming more aware, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I, I've been saying this to, to Larnell a lot that I am hopeful. I feel like there's, there's, there's a lot of different co conversations around like what, you know, who is racist, what is racism. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that is coming up is that, um, that we have a population of people that are racist and don't even know it. Oh. We have a population of people who are perpetuating systemic racism and don't know it. There's mm -hmm. there, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I think that, I think there's some people that are genuinely saying, oh my goodness, I've been perpetuating this. Yeah. And two pieces. I think that we need to realize that generally speaking, 
um, let's say like, let's look at um, like water, for example, <laughs> we live in Canada, North mm-hmm. America and sorry, water for people that are not on a reserve in Canada. Yeah, so which is those of issue within itself. Right. So um, I have water mm-hmm. and there's, because I, I turn on my tap, the water comes on. Mm-hmm. If the water's not going to be off, the the um my local city probably sent me a note telling me they were going to turn the water off, right? Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I have water. Mm-hmm. And I am not going to think about the fact that people don't have access to water because I have access to water. There's no reason for me to think about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how I look at systemic racism. It's like, Mm. there's no reason for you to realize that you're benefiting from something. There's Mm -hmm. no reason for you to realize that other people are facing hardship Mm -hmm. because you just have, you, you, you have that privilege. Yep. Right. So it's, so, so for example, back to this post, it's very easy for me as a university educated Mm -hmm. human being Mm -hmm. to say, why can't every respond with tact? Mm -hmm and literacy and, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and studies mm-hmm. in emails mm-hmm. and, 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 and why can't everybody fight anti-racism and anti-black racism like mm-hmm. that? Well, then I'm assuming that everybody has access to university, yeah. to school. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Had parents who valued education, mm-hmm. had parents who supported them through education, mm-hmm. had money to, to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and I think that's how we need to think about, that's what needs, like, I think people need to just think about it that yeah. way and realize, okay, I acknowledge that I have access, I have privilege that somebody else doesn't mm-hmm. have. And then now, like, what am I going to do about mm-hmm. that? And that's the hard because, work. And the reason I say it's hard work is because, like you said, if you always, and I love that analogy about water, if you always have water, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about not having it, right? So it's not an issue for you. So I just think that it's like, I'm going to use that joy. <laughs> I'm going to use your water analogy. <laughs> and again, like like you said, but even like if you take the example you use, like everyone with the exception of a lot of First Nations communities, mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't realize how bad it was until I was working in communities. So again, again, I have privilege. I have the privilege of having water mm-hmm. versus some don't. And you would, you would assume that. And that's why I hear with some people, it's like, well, I just assumed that everyone was treated the same. That's the wrong assumption. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to take that step back and understand what the privilege is. Understand you know, I, I feel like people are, again, getting so caught up in this, like, they hear privilege, just like, well, I wasn't in a rich family. I had to work just like you did. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, the privilege of being able to ignore this, to be able to look away, whereas we do, right. we cannot look away. This mm-hmm. is our every day from morning to night, 24-7, sometimes in our dreams, constantly mm. is our experience. Yes. Period. Or, you know what? Our nightmares. And so I'm, I'm very exhausted with that discussion because I've seen it so much where it's just like, I'm not privileged. I'm not privileged. Please take a seat and just listen and like, take a step back for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's when we're able to like, really be like, oh, cause that's when people can have that reflection and they can be like, oh, I get it now. And at that point though, they have the decision, like you said, 
do you want to be part of the change or do you just want to continue to sit and be the person that has the water and not have to worry about the fact that no one else has water? Because as long as you have it, everything's great. Right. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. And and there's so much. And I, I think that like, I and I don't mean to make, I don't need to make this a guilt trip, but like mm. really and truly, it's about everybody with privilege right now. Because there's mm-hmm. only so much that as a mm-hmm. black person that I can say. Yeah. And do. Yeah. This, you know, like mm. we, unfortunately, as a, as a community at large, like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have at, at present, we yeah. don't have the concentrated wealth. We don't have the political power and mm-hmm. we don't have the systemic, we don't have a system that was built for us. No. It's really like, it's up to everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's including Canada for anyone listening that keeps yeah. on saying there's no racism. Racism doesn't exist in Canada. I heard the one of the greatest quotes because my mom, when we moved here, or not when we moved here, or what am I talking about? My mom moved here and mm-hmm. she was just kind of telling like her breakdown of racism in Canada. She's like, it's a lot politer here. And mm-hmm. she goes, you know, the Canadian um, politeness. But she's also like, whereas in the United States, you have a lot of organizations that support black communities and black individuals which again is was birthed out of the segregated time so they had to create you know black institutions and you know don't get me started on black history month Mm -hmm. um because we're like what about white history month i'm like okay yeah okay we're still talking about that but i i digress when it comes to you know when i i heard it from tyrone edwards and it reminds me of what my mom says he's like your your prejudice packaged in your politeness and i'm like Mm. or your pleasantry sorry your your prejudice packaged in your um pleasantries and again i want to point that out because i've still heard people like canada is not racism there was a rcm i believe is an rcmp head that's just like yes systemic racism that i'm like excuse me Mm -hmm. what and then meanwhile a chief is getting rushed and assaulted by rcmp officers and that's just one and then another indigenous man is shot dead like really and then you read in the comments well he shouldn't have been resisting how can you resist with your hands behind your back sounds a little familiar doesn't it like george floyd and i'm just as you said it's the people with privilege and the white people you know we can say like the white community and it's not just like and you have the example where that was a non-white individual still perpetuating anti-black racism to a two-year-old child you know mm-hmm. but there's a lot to do because as you said we don't have a system that was built for us and what even though we contribute to that system that was not built for us right mm-hmm. so there is a lot of work to do and we've been shouldered. We as a black community have been shouldering so much shouldering burdens. As you said, like it's like you're running your a second business. And I find like, honestly, that's another thing that stood out for me because as black people, sometimes it does feel like that because whether it's like, how am I going to show up at work today? And again, I I want to show up just the way I am. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. in corporate or wherever you work, you have to code switch. So as Tyrone said, he's like, I am greeted. He goes, I will walk into a room and I will see people greet dogs with more politeness and kindness than they'll greet me because of their unconscious bias. And it broke my heart. But that is the God's honest truth. So if that is the reality, if people take that second 
to take that step back and reflect on the wire that they have versus the wire that others don't, it's in that moment where they decide, am I going to be part of that solution? And I just really hope that more take that time to reflect, have the conversations with their children. If you're in education, if you're in healthcare, this is everywhere. It is everywhere. So I'm very grateful that you were like, again, to you and, and you'll be back, please. Um, (laughs) And you made me even learn now, because again, it's just like, as you said, like it's as black individuals, I want to continue to amplify our voices. I want us to feel that we're in a safe space to talk about these things, because I know for me, I'm tired of being muted. I'm tired of being silenced. I'm tired of feeling like I can't breathe. And that again is representative of so many things like the anxieties, like not being able to breathe from the anxieties, like Mm -hmm. literally being muted in corporations, whatever that looks like. Right. So I want to continue to have these discussions and, you know, hopefully people, you know, from a, you know, with our black listeners that they will feel a sense of empowerment and be like, okay, I want to be able to share And for our non-Black listeners, it's like, oh, and just use this as a reflection. This is not us, you know, not even like accusing, I don't know if that's the right word, but like, this is just bringing something, like bringing something that's been in the dark to light. Yeah. And and shining a light on it. It doesn't have to be, because I find a lot of people, again, the same, they're like, I'm not privileged. It's defense. Like, this is not about defense. This is, as I heard from, again, another Instagram post, white people are lucky that we're looking for equality and not revenge. And hasn't that always been the case? We're just looking for equality. We want access to the water too. I'm using the joy analogy. I'm using it forever. (laughs) We want access to the water. Yeah. 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 And can I just add, I just want to just touch on this idea of the defensiveness. Yeah. One thing that I've come to realize that in this process especially because we're in quarantine, we're focused on social media a lot, that I think this time has peeled back so many layers for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like for some of the Black people in my life, some of us have been acutely aware of this. Uh, Some of us have brushed it under, like, under the carpet. Yeah. As maybe perhaps as a coping mechanism. Some of us are in interracial relationships and we're mm. like, I was brushing those microaggressions from mm. my in-laws. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now all of this is coming, you know, it's coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. And so it's, there's a lot of heightened emotions. And then I realize in my non-black counterparts, I, I'm, I feel like there's some people who've always gotten it and yeah. who have always been allies yeah. and thankful for them, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. And I feel like there's others who I feel like are genuinely kind people who are coming to a realization mm. of, you know, it's like, I knew there was racism, but maybe you put them in the category of like, I didn't, I didn't, per- I, I wasn't being overtly racist, but I yeah. didn't stop it, you know, yeah. or I was participating in a system and I didn't realize how deep and entrenched like yeah. our, our society is in that system. Mm. And I feel like if you're in that group of and then there's the people who are just I'm I was I'm just I've always been a racist. Yes. <laughs> I am over. There's no covert here. I'm pure you overtly know. racist. Yes. But let's and and so like and I'm never going to change. You yeah. know and I and I'm hopeful that people's hearts can be changed. Yeah. But if we go back to this group of people who are like oh my goodness like I think about you know the healthcare workers or a teacher who may have just retired and mm. they're just like oh my goodness I just spent thirty years 
perpetuating mm. this, this increased suspension rate, this, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This, or like, or I'm in the healthcare, I've just perpetuated this like increased, um, you know, like ignoring the pain, like mm. symptoms of black people because yeah. it, in my mind, I thought they were stronger based and on, they you know can I mean? handle it and yeah. they can handle it. Mm. And so, and I think that people are, I, that defensiveness might also come from like just coming to terms with what they've been doing yeah. and what they've been perpetuating. And mm-hmm. I think that they, um, I just, I think for that group of people who want to be better, mm. um, I think that like, I want to give you some time. Yeah. I want you to be better, but I recognize, <laughs> I just recognize that everybody is, is just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers being peeled back Absolutely. and a lot of realities coming and, and, and for, and if it wasn't racism, it's, you know what I mean? It could mm. be like, why did I stay in this abusive relationship for 20 yeah. years? Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's mm-hmm. just, when you come to terms with these types of really hard truths, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a whole host of emotions. And mm-hmm. I'm just hopeful that we'll take that and mm-hmm. not just stop at being defensive, Absolutely. but take that and say, okay, how can I be a part of, how can mm. I become an ally in mm-hmm. the long term? You know, like we said, in play mm-hmm. the long game and realize Absolutely. that not everybody has the water that I have. Mm-hmm. I agree. And again, it's going to take like, these are habits. Mm-hmm. And again, habits are psych- like, these are psychologically in our mind. And we talked about this in our previous episode. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people, because, you know, black people have been suffering and at the hands of oppress- oppression for 400 plus years, they want the change now. But the reality is, especially again, if this has been, like you said, you gave the example of perhaps a teacher that's been come to the realization that for the past 30 years of them teaching, they've been perpetuating and God knows how long they've been believing it before they became a teacher. Mm-hmm. That's why this is unlearning. We have to undo they and do those patterns and create new ones and that takes time Mm -hmm. so there's literally like the psychological effect that's going to that's going to impact hopefully like when people make those changes it's going to take commitment like with any other change that you look to see it takes commitment but before that commitment you need that awareness that you speak of Mm -hmm. that awareness because that's what's going to keep you know, there's self-accountability and accountability to others. So that next time, maybe if you see something that, you know, is covertly racist, you don't just laugh it off or say, oh, it's in jest, but you either, you actually hold others accountable as well. So I totally, totally agree with you, my dear. Oh, joy. Thank you. Oh, Christine. This was, I could talk to you all day, lady. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh again thank you for coming thank you for sharing your experience thank you for educating us thank you for shining lights thank you for being joy to the world i love you um please share again with anyone who wants to connect with you how they can do that you can find me on my website at uh, joylaps.com that's j-o-i-l-a-p-p-s.com also um, at joylaps music on instagram and facebook and uh youtube so um yeah just hit me up yeah happy to chat and i will include all of those in the show notes um in the show notes there's also a voice message section or messages section so if you do have questions for joy 
feel free to leave them there because again i just can't i can't get enough joy I and mean, you're gonna, you're going to have to come back and i'm actually having joy's sister so we mentioned sabir in the episode she will be joining us on the episode <gasps> yes she is oh my gosh <laughs> I, i'm so glad i know i'm so glad that i'm so excited She'll be on the show in July, and I'm so pumped. And then, you know what? Eventually, it's just going to be the Lap Sisters and the Channel Sisters, and we're just going to have one big party on this episode because, again, there's no cap here. So I'm very, very... I'm trying not to scream in this microphone right now, like, but you can hear the excitement. I'm so excited. So, yes, Joy will be back. So as I said before, if you want to leave a voice message for her, um, for her to answer on the show, feel free to leave it there. Or, again, you can hit her up on any of her social platforms that will include in the show notes as always for the fab collective you can stay up to date on new episodes with um the fab collective via instagram which is at the fab collective twitter which is at the fab channer or wherever you listen to your podcast and again anyone that's listening on apple welcome apple just joined the party about two i guess by the time this launches two weeks ago so welcome Thank you, Joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you very much. I look forward for, to our next discussion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thank you, Fab. Oh. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> you can call me whatever you like. You're original school. And again, I always tell people it's by jurisdiction or like family, right? Because family's Christine or legal. Tanner is Toronto and Fab is Edmonton. But I'll just, I'll, I'll go with all of it. And by now, with people getting to this far into the season... They'll be like, okay, Christine, Fab, unless my mom comes to the show, it's Chrissy. Um, it's I know, I, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> if it's, uh, <laughs> you know it. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you, Joy. We will thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.